This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. For the first time since 2014, we have a new major champion. Dominic Team, 27 years of age, has done it, his first slam, and it's hard not to smile when you say that because it's impossible not to be happy for him. He has done it the hard way his entire career, and boy, did he do it the hard way on Sunday. I've never seen anything quite like it. Team comes back from two sets to love down against Alexander Zverev. Both men, or, or excuse me, both men searching for their first major finals. Zverev in his first major final. A match that was defined by internal struggle, not external struggle. I don't think the players were, were thinking too hard about what they need to do. You know, I think they were basically worrying about themselves and just trying to play the tennis that they know they're capable of playing. And for the most part, they lost that battle. They were conquered by the moment, by the pressure, by the stress. But the beautiful thing about tennis, someone has to win. It doesn't matter how bad you play. If you play better than the person on the other side of the net, you're going to win if you win the last point, at least. Sometimes you can maybe even play worse and still win. But if you win the last point, you win the match. You don't need to play well. Someone had to win. And that was so. Th that's what was so thrilling about that spectacle. And it was not good, beautiful tennis. They were not playing well. But that was, in its own way, kind of beautiful because someone had to win. And you always knew that the whole time. Someone was going to lift the trophy. And that's what kept that match engaging. I mean, maybe maybe you were bored by it. It's all subjective, but I certainly wasn't. And uh, and Dominic team, as I, as I was about to say, why would it be easy? Nothing's been easy for him in his career. He has done it the hard way. So I'm just really happy that all of team's hard work has paid off. I'm happy for his team and his team. Um, he really was extremely, he is extremely deserving based on how hard he's worked on, on his development. And for anyone who's, who's followed that throughout his career, it's, it's, a, it was especially rewarding to see for me, I think after the 2017 five setter against Nadal, ever since that match, I kind of thought that at some point team had a chance to be where he is now winning a, ma a major title on a hard court and we'll see we'll see what this does for for the rest of his career he's still got time he's 27 which is the new 20. Alexander Zverev man I did not think he would be making the final of this tournament but that's where he was and he came out of the gates we'll get more into the match in a second I just want to comment on both players and played unbelievable and it's going to really hurt it's going to really hurt for a little bit 
But at the end of the day, it might be the best thing that's ever happened to him making this final. Because sometimes it's the loss that represents the real turning point in a player's career. Sometimes it's the losses that really make you look at yourself and, you know, make the changes that you think need to be made. He could have won this match and never won a major again. You just don't know how these things play out. So for, for everyone saying that Zverev might not recover from this and that this is going to be this massive scar, no. Zverev wasn't ready for this. He wasn't ready to win this title at the start of the match. He wasn't ready to win this title at the end of the match. And if he was ready, he would have won it. This could be the best thing that ever happened to him, making this final and losing after being up two sets to love. Could be the best thing that's ever happened to him. You don't know. Lastly, before I get into the match... Let's talk about um, what we saw as a whole, which is two players really struggling to play decent tennis. We've kind of been spoiled by the big three. That's kind of the takeaway here, is that the big three have always been very comfortable delivering in big moments. And... Why are we so surprised that two players are asked to play a role that they have never had to play? Their entire careers, they have never been expected to hoist the trophy at the end of a major. Never. Dominic Team might be in the final against Nadal. He's not supposed to win that match. He might be in the final against Djokovic. He's not supposed to win it. Suddenly... He's supposed to win it? Zverev up two sets to love? He's supposed to win it? They have never, ever felt that in their lives. Because Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal have existed. They have been alive and playing tennis ever since these men have been on tour. They have never felt the things they felt on Sunday. So why did we expect them to be prepared for that? I can answer that question because, because Dominic Team was stunningly good under pressure against Medvedev. So at least for me, as a as a personal aside, you know, I was actually when as soon as Djokovic went out, I thought, ooh, this is gonna be tough for team, isn't it? It's gonna be really hard for team to handle the kind of pressure that's on him. And then he played so well in his next three matches after that Novak default that I was like, oh, never mind. And that was that was where I went wrong. That is where I think a lot of people went wrong. He played so well in the semifinal. Apparently, the semifinal just wasn't the final. I know that sounds silly. Duh. The semifinal isn't the final. But talk about night and day. Talk about feeling different on a Friday versus on a Sunday because team was a different man in this final against Zverev, who I guess he was expected to beat a little bit more handily than Alexander Zverev, who had kind of clawed his way 
to the final. Uh, but other than that, it was just it was a little bit stunning to see such a different Dominic team, and that was that was my mistake and everyone's mistake to think that just because team played well under pressure, in fact, miraculously under pressure in the semifinal against Medvedev, playing two really amazing and clean tie breaks, playing great return games with his back against the wall, Medvedev serving for the second and the third sets. To think that that would equal he can go out on Sunday in a final with one match left, the finish line right there, three sets away against a player who everyone's expecting him to beat. To think that that would be easy, to think that that would go on without a hitch. We were the fools. There was a lot of vitriol directed towards Dominic Team and Alexander Zverev. How could you play this bad? How could you be this bad? These people have never tried to play tennis with stress. I suppose. Stress is so, so powerful. And it's just amazing if you look at Zverev's match. Matches, I should say, plural. Over the course of... Huh, over the course of three matches. Or let's just focus on the semifinal and the final. He was expected to beat PCB and comes out and can't play or doesn't play his game and goes down two sets to love. Okay, now you expect him to lose. He's down two sets to love. He's going to lose. Now he can play well. He wins the match. Then he comes out onto the court beginning of the final. These guys know. These guys know what everyone is saying about them. They understand that. So Zverev comes out, he knows I'm, I'm expected to lose this match. Nobody thinks I have a chance. Okay, I, I might lose. He might be too good. Um, his form has been better than me. He plays lights out. Goes up two sets to love. Now he's supposed to win again. And it all comes crashing down. Amazing. Amazing. This match was so mental. It was incredibly mental. Nonetheless, we will get into the tennis. We will get into forehands. We will get into backhands, shall we? Um, okay. Jeff Salzenstein coming up a little bit later in the show. Team Cups comes out of the gate, and he's looking pretty nervous. But he's doing the right thing. If you watch the first couple games, the first two games in particular, Team isn't taking any risk. He's playing with huge margins. He's hitting shots that he knows he's not going to miss. Again, just choosing really big, safe targets on the court. That's how he's starting out. And that's how you should play when you feel nervous. That way you can try to get your timing and you can try to feel the ball. And hopefully play some long rallies. Because usually the long rallies, uh, especially for team, th that's... Those are the points that are going to make him feel more comfortable and more relaxed. Almost the more the more times he gets to really feel his strokes, the better. So that was smart. What Zverev did is the little finger wag. Nuh-uh-uh. No, no safe tennis for you. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Not if I have something to say about it. And boy, did he. What happened in the early going here is team was trying to hit through the middle of the court and Zverev responded by saying, oh yeah, 
you're going to you're going to play balls that that are not aggressive, well, I am going to absolutely punish you for it. I am going to step inside the court. Zverev hit 73% of shots inside the baseline in the first set. I'm going to step in the court. I am going to flatten out my forehand. I am going to flatten out my backhand. And I am going to come to the net and and finish these points. He did not allow Dominic Team to feel comfortable in this first set uh, with the way that Team was trying to handle his nerves, which was to to play with margin and hit to safe targets, and hopefully get in some long rallies. Team was bombing his first serve. Excuse me, Zverev was bombing his first serve, and Team did not have an answer for that. And on team serve, team was not making any first serves. He was hitting pretty much all second serves. I, I'll go back and I'll uh, I'll take a look at the first serve in percentage in set one. First serve in, Zverev was at 68%, 13 for 19. And Zverev won 12 of 13 first serve points. Team actually won 9 of 10 points on first serve, but he made 37% of his first serve points. And his second serve was really bad. His second serve should be good. It's supposed to be good. And this is a common theme here. Over the first two sets, assume that every single facet of Dominic Team's game was bad. So go off that premise. I am going to pinpoint a couple things that were especially glaring, especially bad. But... Don't get it twisted. Nothing was good. Everything was bad. So the second serve was was one of those areas. There was no bite. His arm, I think, just felt very heavy. And there was a certain point in the first set. Dominic team, five double faults. Zverev, three. Who would have thought? If you look at the regular statistics, Zverev is two times more likely to double fault on any given point than Dominic team. Zverev has a 6% double fault rate. So like 6% of points, he'll double fault. Um, and team has a 3% double fault rate. He was popping his forehand, flattening it out, hitting it beautifully, easy power inside the court, big man tennis from Zverev. And coming to the net and volleying beautifully. So something shifts in team's mind, and this continues into the second set. And in the second set, Zverev elite with the lead, he actually gives more away, and he doesn't play quite as well in the second set as he does in the first set. But Zverev continues to come to the net and volley really well. And what happens to team is he goes kind of on the other side of the spectrum, and now he's not making any balls in the court. He's not making Zverev work. Even if Zverev didn't play well, it wouldn't have mattered because team was not putting balls in the court anymore. What happened, I think, was was Zverev was playing so opportunistically with his approach shots, his transition game, his big forehands, that team started going for way too much, pressing, low margin, and, and just missing early in the rallies. Another point of glaring weakness for team was the first serve return. And it was very different from what he was doing in Australia, very different from what he was doing at the World Tour Finals. And I've noticed this all tournament. Uh, but when teams started to have success on hard courts last year, 
he would actually kind of move up, um, only stand five, seven feet behind the baseline instead of like 15 feet behind the baseline. So kind of usually on most courts, that's like halfway between the baseline and the back fence. Team would serve up there or uh, team would return up there and block the returns back. And it's very important when you block your return that your return position isn't too deep. Otherwise, there's just too much time for the player on the other side of the net to set up for the next ball. Uh, because there's obviously less pace on a block return, so you have to make up for that somewhere. The way you make up for that is you take you take away a little bit of time, and that makes up for the lack of pace. He, he did way better with the Zverev serve earlier in Australia when he was... Keeping keeping the strokes short, sometimes still hitting over the ball, but he was a little bit further up. He looked so uncomfortable in this match. Now, you'll see something's going to change later in this match that's going to enable team to put more returns in play. But it, it has more to do with Zverev. So the return strategy wasn't working at all. And he's not putting balls in the court, I think, partially because he's intimidated by Zverev and the way he was attacking the short balls, but suddenly he's going for too much, he's pressing, he's missing constantly. Zverev began to double fault in the second set. Five double faults in the second. Zverev won three of 12 points on his second serve in the second set. So the nerves were all ready to creep in. The game was already starting to go for Zverev ever so slightly. But team played so poorly, there was no way to even see it. He gave Zverev no opportunity to choke. Uh, he just he didn't get in, he he didn't return well enough, and he missed too many ground strokes because he was pressing. Third set, um, Zverev gets up an early break, and that that is where things kind of flip. This is the first time where Zverev really feels the, the weight of being ahead and being the favorite. First time. So team breaks back at 1-2. And now he's playing with a lot more margin from the ground. So he's at least settled in there. And after that game from 1-2, that, that's just the turning point. It just, it just flips there because suddenly uh, team has his movement back and team has his first serve. Those are the two big things. A lot of it had to do with Zverev getting worse. But in terms of team getting better, um, I guess the three things I should say is, is his forehand had some juice behind it. He started hitting the ball cleaner on the forehand. His legs finally got into the match, and he could defend. So even though Zverev could still um, play aggressive at times and pop his forehand, at least team had an answer. He could defend. His legs were stuck for two sets. For two sets, he couldn't even move. I'm telling you. It was everything. That's why it's almost overwhelming to break down this match because he was so bad in so many different areas. It, it was so kind of comprehensive how how diminished he was by the nerves and how tight he was. And I want to bring up the Achilles, I guess, real quick. Um, the Achilles is something that people were speculating about, and I really don't blame them because it was so startling to see team play this this poorly. So, 
yeah, I, w- I was thinking about the Achilles too. But Team said it wasn't the Achilles, and I, I believe him. <laughs> I do, because, you know, he he never stretched it out. He never favored it or, or looked at, you know, he just, he gave no signs with his body language that, that it was bothering him. So I do believe that it was just the, the stress, just the pressure. And that's what was making him move so badly, have nothing behind his forehand, have nothing behind his second serve, unable to make a first serve, comes out, you know, playing with huge margins. And then as soon as Vera punishes him, he just goes for way too much on every ground stroke and and misses immediately. So those are the things for team. Again, the third set, when team gets the break back, a little bit of a a, a flip, a, a a switch there. Suddenly team can move. Suddenly he can hit out on his forehand and suddenly he's making all his first serves. Don't get me wrong. He's not playing great. Okay. He's not playing great, but those things, at least he, at least he has his legs at the very least. He has his legs. The break comes at four or five. Zverev's kind of hanging in there. And at three all, if you want to see how this set is different, watch the game at three all where team unleashes some forehands to come back from down love 30 in a hole at three all there. So team is moving better, winning with his defense, hitting his forehand bigger at four five. Um, Zverev double faults. Team plays a really great point. Um, love 15. Zverev makes a an error off of a off of a backhand slice, which was kind of nervous. He probably should have hit topspin. Uh, and then he hits a forehand error off of a deep slice return, uh, a miss hit forehand where, you know, it, it, you could tell it was just shaky. It was a shank forehand, the kind of forehand that is very indicative. We've seen it. Anyone who's watched Zverev, whenever he's nervous, whenever he's not confident, he hits that loopy shank forehand. And he did that down set point. Uh, team able to make enough first serve returns in this game as well. So team wins the third set 6-4 and then the fourth set is much more kind of straightforward for for team than even the third set. But the the Alexander Zverev that was popping first serves was inside the court playing large and in charge with his forehand and his first strike tennis and coming to the net that Zverev was kind of gone. It, it, it wasn't there anymore. And it was back to oftentimes defensive counterpunching Zverev in this fourth set. And team um, started to really win that second serve battle. This fourth set is how I expected the match to go. Zverev missed enough first serves where his second serve became a factor. And that's where the breaks were produced. So at 3-4 in this third set, excuse me, in this fourth set, uh, Zverev double faults. He makes a forehand error. Team breaks, and he cruises to victory in this fourth set. He takes it 6-3. Fifth set, the two kind of exchange breaks of serve early on. Zverev misses most of his first serves in this game. He hits an 108 mile per hour serve down break point at 15:40, and team gets you know gets to take a big forehand rip on this break point and ultimately wins the point. 
Now, team is still kind of battling himself. He's still not playing great. But Zverev has, for the most part, surrendered his weapon. He's he's actually kind of waved the white flag on the serve. He's handed over. He's handed over all of his ammunition. He's saying here, you can have it. I'm not going to use it. Because for the rest of this fifth set, Zverev just doesn't really serve all that big. And now, team is... He doesn't change his, his return position. It's the same return position. But he's no longer feeling like he needs to try to block it. And he stopped blocking it after the second set. But now... He is hitting over his backhand return from the back fence. And he's actually squaring it up. He's making it. He's teeing it up. And in this respect, I saw throughout the match a huge difference between 125 and 135. 135, team looked very uncomfortable on, on his return. 125, team found the range. Team got very comfortable. And... 125 is kind of generous because there were there were times where where Zverev was even under that. So I'll bring I'll bring that up. You know, it be, it becomes a really big factor. But if you just look at serve speed, average first serve speed, that's what I'm going to look at for Zverev. In the first set, it was 127 miles per hour. In the second set, it was 124 miles per hour. In the third set, it was back up to 127. But remember, he only made 50% first serves in this third set. In the fourth set, it was down back down to 124. In the fifth set, 121. When it comes to an average, 121 versus 127 is enormous. In the first set, we saw Zverev, the Zverev serve when mentally he's he's loose when mentally he is he is um not feeling the stress and then in the fifth set we saw what serve you get out of Zverev when when he really is and part of that is the second serve part of that is he does not want to hit a second serve that's why he was afraid to hit the bombs on the first serve cuz he just didn't he didn't want to miss it in the fifth set Zverev made his first serves. Zverev made 71%. Guess what he won? God, this is brutal for Alexander Zverev. Big serving Alexander Zverev. The, the ace leader at the U.S. Open won 53% on his first serve. Why? Because he barely hit his first serve. He hit... He hit... Someone else's first serve. He he hit it not he he hit it way safer than he needs to. And again, the percentage is good. I mean, in Australia, he was hitting 135, 140, and he was still serving 70%. Before the match, if you listen to my preview, that's what he said. I that's what I thought he had to do. He actually didn't have to do that because Verev, I mean, excuse me, team was so bad that Zverev didn't have to serve 75%. Um, he could have just served 60%. But at least if he was hitting it, if he was going for it, he would have had a chance. Compare that to team's weapon. Compare that to the team forehand. The team forehand was not good in this match. 
the team forehand was not consistent. It was spraying errors. Some of them were untimely errors, and it was a big reason why team was very uncomfortable in this fifth set. But at least he tried to hit it. He did not surrender. He did not give up. He went after it. Zverev surrendered. And look, this came down to a couple points. So I hesitate to say, I hesitate to bang the gavel and say this is what swung the match. This is why one player won. Because in a match this close, it could have gone either way. But if I were if I were to pinpoint one thing, highlight one thing, it would be that team continued to go after his weapon, continued trying to, you know, he he did not shy away from using his weapon. Zverev laid down his arms, waved the white flag, was no longer uh, hitting his first serve, which is the best thing he has going for him in his entire game. But that's why, that's why the second serve is such a problem because the second serve killed his first serve. Destroyed it. The first serve didn't kill the first serve. The second serve killed the first serve. I want to be clear about that. Let's go through kind of the big moments in this fifth set. I think that's worth it. Um, let's start at 3-4. Team is serving. It's love 30. He plays two really great points. To even it up at 30-all, a great backhand half volley, an extraordinarily athletic overhead uh, falling backwards for 30-all. But then he makes a forehand error, an easy one. And then he hits this, this passive slice in the middle of the court. And Zverev hits an inside-out approach. And team has no chance. Open stance, very unstable on the one-handed backhand pass. Folks, this is going to happen again and again and again in this fifth set. Most of the big points that Zverev won, it's because team refused to hit a topspin backhand at the end of this fifth set. I do not think it was strategic. I do not think it was tactical. I think at times it was slightly physical. Team was tired, and the one-handed backhand takes more energy exertion, and the footwork needs to be a little bit better. But there were countless times where where team objectively, I guess it's not objective. Okay, fine. I'll change it. There were countless times where, to my eyes, team should have hit a topspin backhand and he sliced it. There were many times where team would slice the ball into the net. Um, and when he didn't, Zverev was loving the passive slice, passive slice floating in the middle of the court. If I were to to grade that shot, I would give it, you know, a, a C or a D. Assuming that any any shot that you don't hit in the court is an F, right? If I were to grade it in terms of quality, it, it's the shot that Zverev was begging him to hit, and he continued to hit it. Okay, anyway, that's the break. Okay, 5-3. Whoa. Alexander Zverev is serving for a major title. 
with no, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. Okay. He's serving for it. Here it is. And on the first point, he hits his first serve 102 miles per hour and makes a forehand error on the next ball because team gets to rip the return. Again, that's the difference more than anything else is that Zverev didn't try to use the very thing that could have won him the match, which was his first serve. Um, he made another forehand error on the next point. Now, team made a backhand return, 126 mile per hour, and, and team squared up a backhand return. Um, on the next one, Zverev, again, hits his first serve, 105, slice out wide, but hits a forehand down the line and then finishes an overhead at the end of it, so he gets away with it. Um, then he hits a second serve. Team hits a very heavy second serve return, and Zverev, Zverev nets a backhand that he should make nine out of ten times. It was nerves. It was it was just a tight backhand, and he misses his favorite shot. Service winner, 128 miles per hour by Zverev. Okay, so there's one. There's one time the serve comes through, and then at 30:40, Zverev decides to serve in volley at at 109 miles per hour, and team. Gives Zverev the forehand volley. It's right there. I honestly can't criticize the tactic because Zverev was volleying well in the match. Team was was not, you know, was... Look, I'll put it this way. <laughs> if Zverev served and volleyed a ton in this match, I actually think it would have helped him, but he's never going to do that. And the reason I think it would have helped him is because I just don't think team was getting a lot of quality on his returns, especially on the first serve return. Anyway, Zverev netted the forehand volley. It was a pretty routine volley, not one that he was in position to put away, but one that he was in position to punch deep and then try to put away the, the next volley. That's what a comfortable Pat Cash, Stefan Edberg, Pete Sampras would have done with that volley. Punched it deep, set up the next volley. Actually, they're so great, they might have just put it away. So now it's 4-5. Um, and team is looking really weary in this game all of a sudden. But, but team is able to... Team is able to... Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the difference. Here's the difference, okay? Team is now serving... To stay in this match. And spoiler alert. This is the first time. This is the last time someone is going to hold in this match. Why? Well, team gets down 1530. Um, Zverev misses a first serve return at, at 1530. Maybe could have made that return. But a decent serve by team up the tee on the ad side. At 30 all. Team gets a look at a forehand. And he's got time to load up on it. And man... He absolutely pulverizes the forehand and he paints the sideline, hits it down the line. It's a clean winner by, by 10 feet. Zverev can't even comprehend the idea of getting to the ball. What did team do there? He has his weapon and he goes for it. He could have missed it. I'll tell you what, he missed a lot. You'll see. He missed a lot, but he still went for it. 40-30. Um, the forehand comes through again for team 
as he hits a beautiful forehand passing shot down the line at 40-30. So now it's 5-all. And team is going to um, break serve with Zverev serving at 5-all. He starts off the next game with another forehand pass. Um, Zverev hits his first serve. He's up, or no, I think it's 30-all. Yeah, at 30-all, Zverev's first serve is 89 miles per hour. He makes a backhand unforced error later in the point. And then Zverev actually misses the shot that he was nailing all night long, which is the inside-in forehand off the team slice, and he shanked it. He mishit it. Just nerves, purely nerves, purely mental. It's a shot he was hitting all match, but this was different because there was stress. Um, on that on that point, the first serve was again 126 to the team backhand, and team made the return. Now team serves for it. Six five. Team serving for the U.S. Open title, his first U.S. Open title, and he makes a forehand unforced error off the first ball. Zverev dictates nicely on the next point. Um, Team gets it to 15-30, carves out a nice backhand volley deep for a winner. Um, then it's back to the backhand slice. Team just refusing to hit over his backhand. Zverev uh, hurts team with a down-the-line backhand off the slice. And team on the run hits long on the forehand. He's really starting to feel it physically. Um, then team again hits a brutal backhand slice. It, it's just like... It's the kind of backhand slice that, like, I can hit, right? Like, I, me, I can hit the slice, which is just like, oh, like, let me just float it into the middle of the court. And Zverev, this time, makes no mistake. Steps in, hits a strong forehand cross court, and team is stretched out, can't get it back into the court. What's the difference? I don't know. I mean... What's, what, what was the difference between the forehand that Zverev missed and the forehand that he made? On one of them, he was down, and on one of them, he was on serve. That's the only difference I can think of. Goes to a tie break. Um, and still, Zverev isn't hitting his first serve. First point of the match is 100 mile per hour for a serve, and team actually misses the return. Then, team slices short in the court. Zverev hits a forehand approach to the backhand and forces an error. Again, the, the backhand slice from team. Killing him. Destroying him. Losing him the match because he, won't hit, he can't hit a backhand. Some of it was mental. It was just he was too nervous to hit a topspin backhand. Some of it was physical. Team started to cramp here. And um, I think he said in the right leg he was starting to cramp. And that was really affecting his serve. And I think it was really affecting his backhand. It's actually affecting everything because like team missed some forehands. Like at, at you can you can go back and you can look at um five, uh, at six five, the first forehand by team what looked exhausted when he when he missed that ball. So that became a big factor. At this point, Zverev is more or less battling, I think, more his mind. Team is battling, to a greater extent, his physicality. Why do I say that? Because although Team is missing, he is at least going for it for the most part. 
It's not consistent, but he's he's hitting out on it. He's going for it. Zverev cannot say that much. So now it's that that's kind of the dynamic here. Uh, but uh, Zverev up a mini break after the forehand approach shot off of the team slice. But then he double faults after missing an 100 mile per hour first serve. Zverev double faults to give the mini break right back. Um, should I should I go into every point briefly? Zverev misses another forehand off of on a forehand inside in off of a team slice. Big 132 mile per hour serve by team at three all with no legs. How about that? What is that? Going for it. That's guts. That's guts. Then um, Zverev hits his second double fault of the fifth set tiebreak at three five. Team over hits a forehand for 5-4. Then um, team dips a nice low pass. Zverev kind of a listless net approach. He was just kind of meandering up there. It wasn't, he didn't really have a great opportunity. So team made him hit a half volley, very tough one, and passes on the forehand on the next ball. Now, um, Keep in mind after that, so team now up a mini break because of the Zverev double fault. It is now 6-4. So now team has a, yeah, team has now a set point on, on his serve. Zverev, first of all, returns an 134 mile per hour serve. Team hits a great inside out forehand but then misses the inside in forehand into the net. You know, he he blasts it. He's he's going for it, but just not he just he doesn't get it. What 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 can you say? He misses the forehand. Then the next forehand was very tight and he went for too much. He went too close to the line and he again he ran around it and he just hooked an inside in forehand wide. Um so that gave, was that six all? Yeah, that was six all. So it was six four, two missed forehands in a row by team, and now it is six all. Again, I want to hammer home what the difference is right now. Is Verev playing well? No. Is team playing well? No. What's the difference? Team is going for it. Zverev is not. Team makes a really solid backhand return off of an 132 mile per hour serve from Zverev. Zverev then approaches the backhand. And finally, this is a point where you can't fault either player. Good point. They they both did it. At, at six all, it was just, it looked like a, a good classic tennis match where both players are, are feeling fine. Because team blasts a, a low backhand pass at Zverev's feet. And Zverev actually volleys it back deep. So then team blasts another passing shot. Then Zverev makes a stretch volley, but it's it's a sitter. And then team blasts the forehand pass. I should really vary my vocabulary. Rips the forehand pass um, past Zverev for another match point. Match point number three. Team hits a slow first serve, and this is where he kind of decides. 
This is where it's like, who's going to be last to mess up? Team hits a slow first serve, hits another measly, slow, floating, backhand slice cross court, and Zverev just kind of, kind of has this clumsy footwork to the ball and then just guides the backhand wide. Wide cross court. And he wasn't... Sasha wasn't even really going for anything on the backhand. He was really just trying to, again, massage the ball back, but it, it was just a, a brutal backhand. And that was all she wrote. The win for Dominic Team. So... What are the, what are the big takeaways? I mean, I, I don't know. It's really hard to summarize that. Um, other than the fact that team really dug in physically and kept swinging, kept throwing punches, um, suffered, suffered a lot. And I, I always felt it was going to take... I, I had never really seen team in a winning effort I had never really seen him dig as deep as humanly possible. And he did that here. He had to. And Zverev was not ready. And team was a little bit more ready to take it. To win it. There was the first two sets where Zverev came out, or um, team came out onto the court with crippling nerves. And Zverev felt like he had nothing to lose. Then there was Zverev takes the big lead and he no longer can, can play his game the way he should be playing. And team starts to get in enough of a groove and now he can move and now he can hit his forehand with some pop and make serves. And then at the end of the fifth set, you realize that in their own different ways, it wasn't going to be easy for either of them. And team was fractionally more ready than Zverev. And that's not surprising given, you know, all the dues that Dominic team has paid and all of the lumps he's taken, all of the experiences he's had. Ultimately, he had a little bit more belief in his game than Zverev had in his. We're joined once again now by Jeff Salzenstein, founder of Tennis Evolution. Jeff, a great friend of the program. And uh, we got we to gotta go over what, what we just witnessed. Jeff, what did you expect would, would happen going into that match versus what actually happened? Sure. Uh, so first of all, I think... The last time we did, we got together, it might have been this summer during Corona um, with the Adria tour. We might have done something after that, but I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. But my, my prediction in the match was that Dominic team would win. I thought that he would be the more solid player overall, mentally, and even with his game style. He just seems to bring kind of that level of consistency day in and day out. So I thought that he would win. I didn't have a clear – I honestly thought he could win in straights or it could be a marathon in five. I didn't have a good feel on how long the match was going to go.
but I was quite surprised by how Dominique came out. I, I had a little question about the Achilles because in the semis he hurt the Achilles, but I saw a report that said he was good to go. His, his physio said he's good to go, so I didn't think it was going to be an issue. But I felt like his energy was low in the match. He had a little bit of the deer in the headlights, and I was wondering if maybe the, the Achilles was still in his mind or, uh, around the movement. I, I was wondering that as well. And after the match, he said, nope, just nerves. And uh, it's, it's really hard to tell, but I actually believe him. I just think he was stifled and paralyzed by his nerves for two sets, maybe beginning of the third as well. But also Zverev played, you know, big man tennis. And we, we've both gotten on Zverev for not going after short balls and just being, you know, a, a complete counter puncher, which he's kind of good at, but he's still not going to win you know, yeah. major finals like that. And, you know, he comes out with no pressure somehow and he's hitting big and really playing the kind of tennis that, that makes him most dangerous. Yes. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't studying. I was watching the match. The match was on. I watched the whole thing, but what I'm wondering is, cause I've played matches like this before where I was, Zarev in this scenario where I was playing well, but the other guy was just so bad. Yeah. It made it six, two, five, one. So I remember So for me, I was thinking, this is how bad team is right now. Not how good Zarev was playing solid. He was sure. playing, you know, maybe an eight, people were making it sound like he was kind of zoning or playing big. Maybe he was, but I think it was more deer in the headlights from team. And I sent the text to a friend of mine. Some of the listeners might be too young for this, but when Peter Corda played Marcelo Rios in the Australian Open final, Rios was the talent, but Corda was the solid guy that day, and Rios had deer in the headlights. I mean, it was like 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. And we were heading in that direction. But at 6-2-5-1, and then I believe 5-2, I actually flipped off because I flipped off for 15 minutes but at that point, I said, this match is not over only because I still think Zarev can choke and I still think his second serve can go off. And you and I have talked at length. We did a video analysis, a serve video analysis about it. I just think there's, there's too much going on where if, if it's Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic, that match is over. It, it's a 2-2-4 two, two and four. But then when it got back to 5-4 in the second, I said, I'm telling you, the guy gets yips on the serve. Didn't mean he wasn't going to win. I thought he still could win the match, 1-4-6. and six, But the guy gets the yips. And it went, it, it went, it went sideways once the match started you know, getting closer in, in those big moments. Once he felt like he was supposed to win, he went south. And, and it was the opposite with team. And we saw that with uh, Pablo Carrena Busta. Or, or, or I guess we saw it in the reverse in Zverev's matches against Chorich and Karina Busta, where he comes in the favorite and has that expectation for himself that he's supposed to win, doesn't play well, then he goes down two sets to love. Oh, I can free up now, I'm supposed to lose, and, and he plays well. Uh, but in terms of team, if it was Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic, he would have not been playing so awful in the first place because he wouldn't have been crushed by that pressure he felt as the favorite. Have you ever been Dominic team in this situation? You said you've been Zverev where the other guy isn't playing. Have you ever been team where you feel so much stress that you can't even play? 
So I, what I've experienced is that I lose one and one in an hour. I remember playing Andre Seppi, who's still playing on the tour. I think it was 2007 qualifying of Indian Wells. And I lost two and one in about an hour. And it wasn't like I was that tight. I just wasn't very good. And um, yeah, there have been moments where I've, I've, I've probably, again, experienced more of the Zarev where either I'm playing well and the other guy plays terrible, or I've been up 5-1 or 5-2 and I get the yips and I get tight. And so, you know, I have a lot of compassion for a guy like Zarev who, who went through what he went through yesterday. I, I, I can't imagine the amount of stress he was feeling internally that he was kind of hiding from the world. For, to see him hitting 68-mile-an-hour serves, to see him shanking forehands in big moments. Um, but with that being said, the compassion I have for him, I was never the best player in the world or top five in the world. I was 100, 150. I had some limiting beliefs. I choked at different times. But I can tell you that even in those moments, I was hitting bigger than 75-mile-an-hour serves. <clears throat> and so I just don't – what I can't figure out – and I know it happens to everyone, but this was not a one-off. This has been going on for 18 months. And I just can't figure out if a guy's got $100 million in the bank and he's got his team around him and they're very aware that this is happening, why this is not being corrected and they're just chalking it up to nerves or whatever. This is, this is to me, it's unacceptable actually in professional sports that a guy can have this pattern of choking for this long and they're not even talking about it. Maybe they want to keep it a secret, but when you're the best at something in the world, you got to be nails under pressure. You got to be Kawhi Leonard. You got to be LeBron. You got to be Michael Jordan. You got to be Federer. You got to be, um, and again, Federer sometimes doesn't come up big, but it's not so extreme. So I just think there needs to be a higher standard for these guys that, hey, you're in the best in the world. It wasn't an isolated case. Maybe it will take a loss like this for, for that to change. And that's why I, a lot of people have said, oh, how long is this going to linger? How long is this going to sting Zverev? And I think maybe it'll turn it around for him. That's, that's a possibility in my mind. It could go one of two ways. It could be that thing where the guy never gets the skeleton out of the closet, or he could go to Rome and the French Open and light it up. I think there's a couple of issues that would need to change. Number one, he does better when he serves second serves 130 than when he goes 75. Mm -hmm. So he's almost better just going 130 and going in the middle of the box and double faulting, but at least he's getting the nerves out. And the announcers have, have mentioned that. I think that's better for him. If I were coaching him, I'd say, listen, you've got to go north of 110 on every second serve and go to the middle of the box when you're tight. And number two, the, the court positioning does not lend itself for him to be the aggressor in the big moments. I know he can counterpunch, but he's a six foot six pusher, basically, who sometimes unleashes. I think he needs to flip that and be the guy who is like a Del Potro who commits to getting on the baseline. And then if he needs to play defense and push 20% of the time, he can. But in the big moments, he needs to be the big boy and stand up on the baseline and go after it because it psychologically doesn't, doesn't support him in these big moments. I really think if, if you take a close look at the first set, less so the second set, that was the Zverev we were seeing. And I, I believe, according to Hawkeye, he took 73% of his balls inside the baseline. And then okay. it was 
It was nothing like that for the rest of the match, but yeah, I didn't see that, but okay. Yeah. I, I think, for he was, yeah, I, I think he, he felt like no one was giving him a chance and for somehow he just played with no pressure whatsoever. And it's just, that's what it's been about for him. Um, but for, for Dominic team, let, let's talk about how he takes from this because now I think that he's a lot more ready after kind of coming through a, a long, tough match like this, suffering, um, having his doubts, but pulling through with his sheer will. Um, I think he's got a much better chance next time he's in a French Open final against the dollar or an Australian Open final against Djokovic. I'm still not sold on that one. I still think that I know it's, it's all, I, I, we've seen that before, that a guy can win and then, and then it, can, and it can springboard to bigger and better things. Um, but I still think there's, there's work for him to do there as well. Again, court positioning, you know, the big three control the court, you know, even Nadal has learned to move up into the court. And I think team and Zarev's happy place is deep in the court. And I think that just lends itself to kind of not the same level that we're used to from the top three. And so I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be tough for him to get over the hump against the big three. But fortunately for him, the big three are getting older. So this is an opportunity for him because of all the players out there, he is, he is the most rock solid to me in, in his game and his work ethic. Uh, don't get me wrong. The other guys are working hard, but I, I wonder if a guy like Felix, if, like FAA can come on the scene and kind of pass up a team or a Zara because he's younger and he does like to play aggressive and he just rounds out the edges in his game. And so to be determined, right, on the on, – but, I, I, again, I go back to court positioning, and I think it's tough to do that for years and years to be returning serve from 20 feet behind the baseline in every match and running in every match. Um, but credit to him, man. Like, 6-2-5-1 in a grand slam and you're playing as bad and you just hang in there and you hang around. And you got Nicholas Masu, your coach, who beat up on me in Acapulco many years ago. That guy was very energetic on the court against me. I remember he got to top 10 in the world. He won a gold medal. Just having him in his corner, I'm sure, helped a lot. But just to stick with it. And I know that he knew that, man, if I can somehow squeeze out of the third set against Alex Zarev, I've got a chance. If he squeezes out the third against Nadal, he's still going to lose in four. But it was almost like snatching the jaws what is it? The jaws of victory. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it. It's the opposite. Um, anyway, I, I, Zarev, can't that. I, I don't know. Yeah. should have, I'll see if I can get it, but Zarev should have won that match about 25 times. It was almost like he was literally, it was like there was a wall for him to get over the line. The, 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 the self-sabotage was so thick. And if you're his coaches, you've got to figure out a way to get him before the match and say, I don't care if you lose two and two, you have to play this way. And if you don't, uh, this isn't going to work for you, or it's not going to work for us as a team. Like there has to be some type of accountability that you are going to go for it in this moment. And sometimes it's easier said than done, but work needs to be done up here. Thanks, Jeff. This was fun. We'll talk Loved soon. It. Thank you. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event. 
now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.